I need to build a lifestyle where the doing what matters is first. That's the first priority. And then money and the business and this real estate investing thing serves that. It's, it's the servant. It's not the, It's not in charge. And I think a lot of us, myself included, get that backwards sometimes. We 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 worked we we live to work instead of working to live. Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate. Featuring your hosts, Brad Labrie and Drew Klingler. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Bradley Labrie, and today I want to talk about the podcast sponsor, Rentometer. Whether you already have an established rental business or analyzing your first rental deal, you know that getting the rent right is crucial to lowering investment risk and optimizing your rental income. That's why the go-to source for rent data is Rentometer. Property investors and property managers rely on Rentometer because it is the fastest and easiest way to access quality rent data for addresses and neighborhoods anywhere in the United States. You can also research current, local comps, trends, and property data. Don't take our word for it. Rentometer analyzes over 500,000 rents per month and gets rave reviews from customers. My property manager, myself, and my clients all use Rentometer anytime we are looking to purchase a new property to know exactly what we can get for our properties. Go to Rentometer.com today to get your seven-day free trial and save up to 60%. Grow your rental business smarter with Rentometer. What's up, everybody? Real quick before we start the show. If you go down to the description or the show notes for this podcast episode, there's a link and that's going to send you to a page that you can download our free ebook on. This ebook is really good. Brad wrote it and it covers everything that you need to know about house hacking in a very structured order so you can put all the pieces together. All right, enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? I am so excited for today's episode with Chad Carson from Bigger Pockets. He was on episode 39, uh, but he is the best selling author of Retire Early with Real Estate, produced by Bigger Pockets, uh, And he has an upcoming course that we're going to talk about. I went through it several years ago. It radically changed my investing career. Uh, he's a dear friend of mine. But we also talked a lot about just his journey, uh, his mantra of doing what matters most, that real estate is about something bigger than just real estate. It's about doing what matters in your own personal life. We were all set here to do something. So we talk a lot about that, the FI and FIRE community. Uh, he's a big advocate of it. So we talk about the whole concept, what that looks looks like. We talk about the importance of relationships. We talk about his portfolio uh, and all of that, I really, truly hope you enjoy this podcast. Chad is just an incredible member of this community, and we hope to continue to promote what he's doing. And we hope that some of you join us in the course. Like I said, I will be a part of it. I'll be a teacher's assistant. So I will be there helping everyone in the house hacking community, but just learn real estate in general. I always learn something from him. So again, I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. Welcome back to House Hacking Success. Today we have Chad Carson from Bigger Pockets. Thank you for coming on, Chad. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you. It's also yeah. always awesome to talk to you, Bradley. For sure. So, so we had you on episode thirty-nine, and we talked a lot about your story, uh, starting out at house hacking and what you've done today. Um, but today we're going to kind of go into um, kind of my story of finding you, um, the upcoming course that you have going, but really. Uh, what we're going to focus this whole podcast around is becoming a deal maker. Um, and you and I talked a little bit about it before. Uh, and then before we got on here, just about, um, you know, the challenges that this market present and that being adaptable and adapting to what happens in the market or what happens, the exterior forces like coronavirus and things like that. Uh, and also just just becoming a deal maker within your market. So I genuinely appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it's, it's great. G so, getting, to, getting to talk real estate is always, always fun with you. 
So uh, for those that maybe didn't listen to episode 39, again, go back and briefly uh, discuss kind of your career in real estate. Yeah, so I, I got started right after college. Um, so I was a I was a biology major in college. I was a science major, but I always had an interest in business and entrepreneurship. And I honestly thought it was just going to be a year or two. I was going to take a break and then go back in the real world and like get a real job. And and but I started um, finding deals for other people. And luckily, I, I graduated from college without any debt because I played football. So I know you're you're an athlete as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, that that was a big benefit to me. I didn't realize how important now now that I see how many people have student debt and having to overcome that. But that, that sort of gave me a little bit of headwind, you know, tailwind that I could just go out there and become an entrepreneur. And once I started it, I started just loving the business. I love the freedom of being an entrepreneur, not having to go work at a job and sit at a desk with somebody else. And so I just I never looked back. And really, my real estate career has been the beginning was just being a, a person flipping houses, finding deals getting them under contract, sometimes selling them to other investors who would buy them for cash, like as a wholesaler, as a wholesale business. But eventually I realized that margins were better if I could figure out how to get the money and buy the deals myself, at least in part. And so a business partner and I have been working together for 18 years. Uh, we flipped houses a lot. And, and then eventually we also realized that, hey, if we want to get out of the job of flipping houses all the time, we need to own some assets permanently that produce income on a monthly basis. And that's the beautiful thing about real estate. You can make it a business, a career, a real estate agent like you are. You can do it actively uh, flipping houses, or you can do it a little bit more passively as a landlord. And, and so that's, that's what we transitioned to. And that's, you know, fast forward. We, my business partner and I have about 110 units and we're in Clemson, South Carolina. Uh, most of the time, most of my time is not spent on the real estate business, although that's my main income source. I have uh, property managers managing most of those. We still do some deals here and there and we're loaning some money, but um, I'm less of a you know deal maker going in and buying the deals and negotiating it myself. I'm more behind the scenes now, loaning money, consulting, helping other people do it and having the deals come to me uh, at this point. For sure. For sure. And uh, briefly describe kind of that first house hack. It was a fourplex if I remember correctly, and and I think it even had uh, what Merry Christmas or something like that <laughs> on, uh, above the doors. Uh, briefly describe that experience uh, going into your first house hack. Yeah, so I was I was out there flipping houses, and I was living in my business partner's spare bedroom. He had this he had this room with a bunch of boxes in it, and I was like, "Is there a bed in there?" Can I like so when I first started, I just like just camped out in his his house. But eventually, that was not a functional way to live. You know, can't get a girlfriend and do that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Live in somebody's in somebody's house. Um, but I, I so I, I was like, I got to get a place to live. And houses were kind of expensive for me to make a payment on as an entrepreneur. So I dabbled in that a little bit, but I eventually realized that is just kind of natural, like just studying other investors who had done this for years, that they would move into one unit, rent out the other units or move into a house and rent out the spare bedrooms. And we now call that house hacking. Um, and that's, I know you, you do such a great job of teaching that to people. And for me, it was like, just, I, I've got to pay the bills and I don't have a lot of money. My money was coming in, you know, some money this month, no money for three months. And so it was just a way to like stabilize my life as an investor, as an entrepreneur. And I found this deal through a referral from another person. It was a bank owned property. There was a local savings and loan that had taken the property back. And it's just one of those deals. If you're out driving for dollars or walking around the neighborhood, it's the one that's vacant that there's all, all the other ones are full. And you're like, why is that property vacant? And we, that's how he noticed it and called me about it. And yes, it happened to have, it was so vacant and been vacant for so long. It had Merry Christmas spray painted across the front. Uh, somebody uh, in unit number four, if I remember right, it had this old orange kind of shag carpet. And there was an outline, a chalked outline of a body in the, in unit four, 
And it was real enough that like, I was like, is this a joke? Is there like a, <laughs> is there like a camera here? Or I mean, I don't, I don't, to this day, I don't know if it really was or not, but yeah. it was, it looked ugly enough and it was bad enough that it could have been. And so we, we fixed it up. I had to scrap by and get some money from some private investors from the local bank, but put the deal together and eventually was able to do kind of a, a, a refinance and permanently, I still have it today and lived in it for several years, got married. My wife moved into the unit number two with me, lived lived for free for a long time and until I had a good base to then kind of move on from there. So, uh, so I mean, your, your story is, we could go in a lot of different directions just based on your story, but the question that you and I probably get asked the most about is the current state of the market. Um, you know, we're here in, in uh, Mar- or, uh, yeah, March of 2021, um, and you know, a lot of people talk about bubbles, and, and things of that nature in real estate. And there's obviously some validity to that, uh, but there is a lot of upward pressure, uh, you know, on the particularly the residential side of real estate, which just makes it challenging. And so what you and I talk about before the show was about, you know, becoming a deal maker in this market. So how do you convey that to uh, potential investors when you're talking to them about the state of the market? Yeah, like I always try to borrow from people who are a lot smarter than me, borrow ideas. And one of them is Warren Buffett. And so like, if you, if you look at like, he's one example of an investor who's been through a lot of ups and downs and he's in the stock market a little bit more than we are in the real estate market, but it's very applicable. And one of his main premises that he, he uses as an investor is that pre- trying to predict the market, trying to predict the future is like, is like a fool's game. It, I mean, it's he, as smart as he is, he's brilliant. He, he you know, we're not, very few of us are going to be able to understand finance and numbers and the markets like he is. And yet he still says that no one consistently can predict what's going to happen six months from now, nine months from now. Now, that doesn't mean that like we stick our head in the sand and say, wow, you know, are we just going to ignore the fact that there's the market's changing and it's really competitive? Like, no, it's not, it's not that we ignore it. The distinction that I try to make for myself is that instead of trying to be a person who predicts the market, I'm a person who prepares for the market. And I, I, I look at it like I'm not a martial artist who does Aikido, but I've always respected like Aikido martial artists or karate. And, you know, a lot of those that they're, you know, these people are very calm and balanced in the midst of a fight, you know, like a, a martial, like a, a war fight. They're very calm and they're prepared for things to come in any direction. And so I would compare like a deal maker in real estate is someone who is prepared for all the bad things that could happen. So the market could crash, you know, prices could go down. Uh, the re- the financial market could change. There could be lots of foreclosures. But on the other hand, you know what? What's also possible? We could have a f- another five or 10 year run because of things outside of our control where prices continue to go up, where interest rates stay low. It could be, instead of going up, it could just be flat. And so I guess my point is, and this is Warren Buffett's point, is none of us are really smart enough. It's, it's kind of just entertainment to try to make predictions of what's going to happen for the next six to 12 months. But a smart investor prepares for all of those, and so a deal maker, kind of, kind of like playing, uh, you know, doing martial arts. You got to, you got to prepare your defense. So you got to make sure you're not vulnerable in case the market crashes. In case you know, do you have cash reserves? Do you have loans that are not that dangerous? Do you have fixed interest loans that can last through the, you know, the next five or ten years? Um, do you have, you know, the cash reserves are really important. In 2008, when I was, my my business partner and I were still young, newer investors, we bought a lot of properties. We made a lot of mistakes, but we were able to like kind of get through those mistakes because we had long-term mortgages with, with decent interest rates that weren't kind of coming due that we had to refinance them right in the middle of a recession. That was a big deal. We also had cash reserves. So we made mistakes, 
but we were able to overcome our mistakes because we set aside a lot of cash. We didn't live on the edge of our cash budget. And this is like 101 finance advice that people make. Hey, have three to six months of cash reserves set aside. When your real estate business, or if you're an entrepreneur of any type, you should have the same thing. Like whatever your overhead is, whatever your payroll is, whatever your mortgage payments, plus all your taxes, insurance, maintenance, and all that, you should have three to six months of cash set aside. And if you're living below that, you're living on the edge. Like you, if, if we do have a bubble, if we do have a crash, you're not being that Aikido, you know, warrior who's, who's prepared for anything. So I guess that's my, my main point is like play a little bit of defense, get your finances in order. That stuff's not sexy. It's not something that everybody likes to talk about. Whatever happens over the next six to nine months. Now let's talk about offense. Let's talk about strategy for getting deals in a market that's really competitive. Let's talk about getting financing through creative sources. Maybe they reduce your risk or lower your interest rate. Like There's all sorts of things we could talk about, but I think that paradigm of being a prepared person instead of a predicting person who's always scared about what's going to happen next, that's that's a totally different kind of mindset that I think the successful investors really try to take. Yeah. And one one undervalued uh, principle, I think, of house hacking um, that I certainly never thought of until afterwards. And, and we hear over and over and over again is when you have, you know, let's just say a side by side duplex and you know how to consider, uh, you know, two furnaces, two water heaters, you know, two roofs, you know, it, it, it most people and I know for myself and the clients and people that, you know, I've helped house hack they automatically start saving at a higher rate, you know, and it, it's kind of that compounding, you know, th that the whole FI community gets over time where you start to think about it more, uh, you start to save at a higher rate. Um, and so, yeah, I mean that, you know, I think a lot of people, especially in our community, that are listening to this podcast, they really get and understand a lot of that saving. Um, and so, you know, we really appreciate that aspect of it. Uh, but go, go, getting back to kind of the deal maker, like, if you were talking to a first-time house hacker right now specifically, uh, what, what would you kind of be you know, preparing them for as far as being a deal maker? I think financing is always key. And, and so like if you're a first-time homeowner, one of the best things about house hacking is that you have access to some of the best financing on the market. You can get the lowest down payments. You can get the lowest interest rates. So it's, it's almost like being prepared in any market is it's important to have your financing in order. But in a, in a very competitive market, it's even more critical to be able to move quickly, to be able to have a solid source of down payment funds, whatever that down payment happens to be. Like the more prepared your financing is, the more prepared, more competitive you will be in the market. And, and so I think that's like part one, financing. Part two is, and this is something I know having a good agent helps out with, is being able to analyze your market, but also analyze your deal and the numbers with confidence. It's going to be really hard when things get emotional and it's competitive. It almost feels like an auction environment. And that an auction is really dangerous for buyers. Uh, I've, I've screwed up. One of the biggest mistakes I've made as an investor was back in 2007. I was just busy, busy, busy. And I went to a bankruptcy auction, which I'd never been to before. I didn't really understand how things worked. I didn't understand the contracts. And I got into a competitive bidding situation where I lost my cool where I didn't go in there and remember my my numbers and, and focus on what my fundamentals were. And I paid more than I was supposed to. That was, it, you know, it's, it's, I still kick myself. Like, why did I do that? But auctions will do that to you. Environments like this will do that to you. They'll make you emotional and you'll kind of get out of your cold calculating. This, these are the numbers. 
And so I think if, 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 if that's what it takes for you, and I know it does for me, having third party, having a team around me who I have to explain my deal to, who will help me run the numbers, who will help me look at the rent comps, who will help me look at the resale value, who will help me look at the analyzing the, the repairs costs on the, on the property. Like all of those things are challenges, but with a team around you to help you kind of be more confident in running the numbers, you, you can solve some of that kind of emotional ups and downs of a market. So, you know, that's, I think the financing and your, I threw, I threw a lot out there at one time, but having a team around you to help you be more confident in your analysis of the deal and more calm and less emotional is a, is a really big deal right now. For sure. And, and, you know, you just went through several things, um, kind of transitioning a little bit to the course you got upcoming and, and, um, you know, a few years ago, I read your book, retire early with real estate. Um, and it was, it, it, it was honestly, well, it's still to my day, this day, one of my favorite books. Uh, I won't you. give it to anyone because it's so marked up. I got so many notes <laughs> in that book. I've read it several times. But uh, I was in the middle of a flip at that point, and uh, I, I just decided I need to get into your course. And the thing that I love about your course, uh, and you in specific, is how genuine you are and how thorough the course is. Um, and so, you know, when you talked, you broke down uh, four different things right there, talking to, to potential first-time house hackers and first-time real estate investors. And your course in specific, it touches on each of those in depth, right. understanding your market, understanding, you know, the, the MSA at large and then your area in specific and, and, you know, coding properties as, you know, you have an A through D, uh, A, B, C, D uh, grading for properties and areas and really understanding that and being able to convey it to your team uh, and you break down your team, you know, what you're looking for in a team. Um, obviously, I'm biased. You know, but I really think finding that, you know, 5% real estate agent, you know, somebody that's yeah. at the top of their game that also really understands, you know, probably ideally actually invests, yeah. um, you know, which is which is not the norm. The normal real estate agent doesn't really invest themselves. Right. Finding that person plugs you into, the, you know, some of your teams and you walk through all of that. Um, and so kind of kind of walk us through the course, what you're what you're trying to convey uh, to everyone out there and, and the value that it brings. Yeah. Thank you. But really the, the core of the course is really the core of real estate investing. So this goes back to what's a deal maker mean? Like a deal maker has five kind of core skills that I have found to be really important for me. And then as I've taught other people to buy their next deal, have been important to them. So let's just, let's list the five, because I think that'll help through the idea of what kind of skills you're building. Number one is deal is analyzing your market. So you mentioned you know some terms like MSA, like which is called a metropolitan statistical area. You can think about it kind of like zooming out in Google Earth. Like the farther out you get it, get, there's some trends that you need to understand: population, demographics, economy, things like that. And then when you zoom in really closely on Google Maps, you want to see like neighborhood by neighborhood which neighborhoods have have, have benefits that you you're looking for. So understanding and picking a target market is what like step number one of the course. Step number two is learning how to analyze the numbers, run the numbers. Real estate's a math game. That doesn't mean you have to be a math genius. Like a lot of people I've worked with in the course have been really intimidated by math. And one thing I try to do is just break it down into something you could do on the back of an envelope. Seriously. Like if you can learn a few formulas and you can do some like adding and subtraction, maybe a little bit of algebra, you can, on the back of an envelope, figure out through looking at like four or five different formulas, whether this deal makes sense or not. And the great thing about house hacking is one of the simpler, not, not that it's easy, but it's one of the simpler analysis uh, 
you know, of real estate investing. You need to see like, what's the price of the property, obviously, but then what kind of cash flow can you make so that you can get closer to living for free? So house hacking, how do you run the numbers? That's part two. Part three is the financing that I mentioned earlier. There are so many sources of financing and I sort of look at it like a toolbox. And when you're first starting, let's just get you with one tool. Let's just learn how to use a hammer. Let's learn how to use a screwdriver, you know? And it, it, over time, as you become more of an expert real estate investor, you can start adding more and more tools in there, like private financing, creative financing, home equity lines of credit, hard money, lease options. There's so many different tools that are out there. And so just know that those tools are out there. But as an investor, you just need to learn one or two, get good at those, get pre-qualified. And that's part three of the course. Part four is building your team. And I've always been a sports player. I've always played football, basketball, soccer. So I've just always valued the people around me. And I've just realized that there's an old quote from John Wooden, who was a Hall of Fame basketball coach, that said, um, the, 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 all, making you an all-star is having an all-star team around you. I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said. Like, if you want to be a star, you've got to have great people around you. You can't do it all yourself. Even if you're a DIY person who fixes stuff yourself, that's fine. You, but real estate is still a team sport. So building a good team is what we do in, in part four. And we, you, you've actually helped me out with this is building some scripts. Like what kind of questions do you ask a real estate agent? What kind of questions should you ask the property manager? You, know, you don't want to have to reinvent the wheel if you've never done that. So we kind of train you on talking to people. And then step number five, which is one of my favorites, just because I think it's the most difficult, challenging part of the business for people, is how do you find deals? How do you actually, and this is so relevant right now in today's market, when things are competitive and everybody's bidding up properties, like I, I don't go there. Like I don't, I don't get into situations where I'm competing with 20 other people to buy a property. It's going to be really difficult to win in that situation. What you want to do is find properties that people aren't paying attention to, either in parts of town that people aren't paying attention to, or by looking off market and finding, doing some marketing and some lead generation. And some of that could be low cost, by the way. If you want to spend more money on ads and, you know, all sorts of different, you know, you can, you can reinvest money in marketing. But some of this is just getting out of the neighborhood, driving for dollars, getting referrals, calling for sale by owner signs. So we, I go through a list of things and actually give you 17 different campaigns that you can pick one or two of those, kind of like a cafeteria, and learn how to, to run the numbers. So all of that, those are the five. Those are the five kind of core skills. And I have found that I, I kind of create some milestones along the way. So it's like a map. Like you look at a map and say, I need to do step one and don't get overwhelmed by all the other steps. Let's just do step one. Then let's do step two. Then let's do step three. And we have a lot of accountability. We have a lot of group. Um, I have TAs in the course. Bradley is, is one of those. So I, I'm proud to just introduce all the people in the course to people who've been successful. Like, that, you know, success leaves clues. And there are people like Bradley and other TAs in the course who are a, a few steps ahead of you, you know, and you can watch how they've done that. And they can give you advice that's different from my advice sometimes, which is great. Um, and so that community aspect, the milestones, the course, the fundamentals, I found to be a really productive way to get you unstuck. Like if you're just kind of like, man, I just don't know what my next steps are. I got all the information. I'm just a little overwhelmed. Finding, breaking it down into those basic step-by-step -step processes and then having a community and kind of support and accountability. That's a good recipe for making progress down the road. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with this podcast, we, we don't spend a whole lot of time promoting other people's work. I mean, that's not really, you know, but, but for your course, it, it honestly, especially that uh, back of the napkin analysis, you know, for somebody like me, I, I am one of those that, you know, math uh, is not, you know, especially analyzing deals. It's not something I like doing. It's not something I'm really good at. I'm, I'm very creative uh, and I'm able to, you know, that's where value add. And, and so not everyone's like me, but being able to quickly decide whether a deal 
has the potential or not was was incredibly helpful for me. Um, And you had, you know, six different criteria for that. Uh, And, you know, it it quickly allowed me to analyze deals at a high rate and then go into further depth down the road. But, you know, what got me stuck in the wheel there for a while was trying to analyze deals, you know, overanalyzing deals, you know, and taking too much time. And so that was incredibly helpful. Yeah. I mean, we all get there, right? Like, and, I, and I'm not opposed to spreadsheets. Like I, I like spreadsheets. It's, it's fun to get nerdy on that. But I found sometimes people, particularly people who get too much into the spreadsheets will overanalyze everything. And that's as difficult as a new investor. And I'll go back to Warren Buffett again, right? Warren Buffett says if he he's buying billion dollar, like he's spending $10 billion on a business. So this is a, like a whole nother level. But he says, if he can't, if he has to use a calculator or a computer to run the numbers on his $10 billion deals, it's not a good deal. Like that's amazing to me. Like Warren Buffett's right, stroking a check for ten billion bucks, but he's the reason that's the case is that you don't want to be like precisely right. You want to have a big gap. You want to have like a margin of safety. If you run the numbers with using two or three different formulas, if it's just so tight that you're just like, man, I don't know. You know, what if I tweak this number? If you're having to tweak a bunch of numbers, it's not a good deal. Like it should just kind of jump off the page at you. And if it's not then move on to the next deal. That's, I guess that's the point of the back of the envelope analysis. It's not that you shouldn't go into more depth and run the numbers even more in depth, but that first pass when you're really running the numbers, that's the reason I, I emphasize that so much is that you need to get good at the basic formulas like you have, Bradley, and then you'll, you'll increase your confidence and you can always go get some other people to help you look at it too, which I encourage you to do, but it's just a good skill set to have to, to make confidence, confident offers out there. What's up, everybody? Let's take a quick minute and talk about Rent Ready. Are you new to house hacking and wondering how you find tenants and collect rent, especially while trying to maintain professional boundaries in a shared living space? Rent Ready can help you manage your house hack setup. For less than $9 a month, you can do it all. Fill rooms quickly with sites like Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist with a free professionally designed listing page. Find high quality tenants with TransUnion certified background checks, electronically send, signed, and store leases and collect rent for the entire lease or set up month-to-month charges. For your tenants, they use RentReady's app to complete the application, sign their lease, and pay you rent. They can even submit maintenance requests from the app instead of knocking on your door. Even better, RentReady is unlimited, so you don't have to pay per unit or per tenant. Just one flat price, which puts more money in your pocket. And speaking of putting more money in your pocket, RentReady has given our listeners a discount to get 50% off any Rent Ready plan when you sign up using our special code SUCCESS at RentReady.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com using code SUCCESS for 50% off any Rent Ready plan. All right, let's get back to the episode. And, you know, that's the whole point of this particular episode is, you know, we are in a, a weird time in, in the real estate market. Uh, we haven't really seen anything like this. Uh, you know, pretty much throughout the country where we have this shortage of residential real estate um, driving driving the, the prices. And so being able to be, like you said, you know, a deal finder, um, being able to be somebody that's adaptable and being able to be somebody that's decisive, it comes with having the knowledge and having the confidence. Um, and so, you know, I mean, your course gave me a ton of confidence, you know, on top of just the information, there's accountability partners, which I thought was was incredibly helpful for myself. Uh, you know, I still from time to time stay in touch with the accountability partners I had uh, three or four years ago. I think it was probably four years ago when I took the course. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so it, it's a great community. 
I mean, you know, your your slogan, which is right behind you, uh, do what matters. You know, it, it's you know, it embodies what we're trying to do with, you know, with this real estate investing, with becoming financially free. It's all about what's the end game, what's what actually matters in our life. And it, it you know, the course really embodies that whole uh, persona. And so, you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of it for sure. Oh, thanks. And I mean, I feel like we all like being in classes or we like learning in general. Like nobody's going out there saying, hey, I want to, this online course is what I've always aspired to do. But what we do want is to be around people who are kind of moving in the same direction as us. And we want to be around people who are aspiring to the similar things and accomplishing the things we want. And yeah, doing what matters is my slogan of my course, my podcast, my website. And it's, it's really just it's, it's what I aspire to is that I, I want to continually in my life, do more of what matters. And what are the things getting in the way of that? Like for, for a lot of us, doing what matters means spending more time with our kids. It means contributing to our community. It means being healthier personally. I mean, all these things have nothing to do with real estate. And real estate is fun too. Like I love doing real estate. But like the thing that gets in the way for a lot of us is money and it's fin our finances. And so this course is really all about giving you a skill set called being a real estate deal maker where you can you can own this like the rest of your life you'll be better at finding deals, analyzing markets, building a team, running the numbers, getting all these things together in in like my 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 goal is to build a a kind of almost like a little mini franchise of real estate investing. You take this, you own it, you know it. You have a community of people to help support you, and you have me to support you. Like that's this is my vehicle. I don't do I don't do any one on one coaching anymore. Uh, I, I love doing it. It was a lot of fun. It's just it's just not easy to do with my schedule, and it just wasn't the best way to help you know a hundred people instead of helping you know one or two. And as fun as that was, this this is my way to do that. This is this is where I uh, twice a year I open up at a class, and I get every Thursday evening. There's office hours with me. Hey, for an hour or two, we're chatting. Whatever questions on your mind, if there's something that's kind of blocking your progress progress. Let's go there. Like you, there's no question that'll go unanswered inside the course. So that's, that's kind of fun for me. It, just from my selfish angle is that I get to really know people, see what they're up to, learn what your struggles are and let's adapt together. You know, is it six months from now, the, the advice we're giving might be different, right? So um, let, let's stick to it and let's figure out what, what we need to adapt to, which, which marketing strategies, which analysis strategies are working six months from now, but they'll always come back to those, those five fundamentals, those skills, those skills aren't changing. They've been working for, you know, in business for hundreds of years, they'll still be working next year, year after that. And that's, that's really what it's all about. For sure. So let, let's talk about uh, that slogan, do what matters. I, the reason that you've resonated with me so much, um, you know, back then and still today is because for you, it's always been about something bigger. Um, and, you know, I know your story, but I kind of want to go through your story beyond real estate. Uh, you had this epiphany, you know, at, at some point, and I believe if I remember correctly, is back, uh, you know, about 10 years ago where you built up a huge portfolio and all of a sudden you realized that you know, being big wasn't necessarily the goal. And so you pivoted um, to being big, to being a, having an effective portfolio, to then doing what matters. And so if you wouldn't mind, uh, go talk about that, uh, the psychology of getting to that point, and then talk about beyond that. Yeah, I know you went down to South America um, and just kind of talk about what matters to you and why you've done what you've done with real estate in five. Yeah. I mean, it was actually right before the last recession when it, it was kind of an eye opener. And the, the story was my business partner and I were getting really good at being deal makers. We were finding lots of deals. We had private lenders who were loaning us money. And 
we, we, the, what we, as a new investor, sometimes you just have to, you have to model success of other people. You've got to copy other people. That's how we learn a language. That's how we learn to ride a bike. Right. And so we went to seminars and we went to classes. There's a lot, little less YouTube back then, which I wish they had, they had more of that and more, less podcasts, but this is, uh, it's the same kind of concept. And we went to a class where this, this lady was really good at flipping houses. She was just buying like 50 houses a year. And we went to a couple other seminars, similar kind of story. Well, these people are just doing lots of volume and they're just like that success, like that real estate investor right there. They've got it going on. And we were just paying attention to their business model and said, we could do that. Like we could buy properties. Let's pay attention to how they find the deals, how they finance them, how they turn them. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years later in 2007, we, we had 33 closings, I think that year. Some of those were flips. We, we flipped and made some big money on some deals. We wholesaled some deals. We bought some rental properties that we kept. You know, for the most part, I'd say 85, 90% of the deals were really good deals. But we got so busy and we got so a little bit sloppy by buying so many properties. It's hard to pay attention when things are moving and you're growing fast and you're trying to, you know, th there's so many details. And I compare it to like a, a train on the tracks, you know, as long as all the, the, the machinery is working and everything, the train moves down the tracks. But if you, you know, one little thing kind of goes off and some, you know, some piece of machinery flies out of the engine of the train, it's easy to get off the tracks. And we had a little bit of that kind of scary moment in 2007. And I credit my business partner as being like the little bit wiser one at that point, which is great about having team around you. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Hey, we need to slow down a little bit. We need to think about this. And it was right about that time when he suggested that I was also reading a book called the four hour work week uh, by Tim Ferriss, right? It was kind of right after that came out. And the idea was, Hey, like you don't have to be big and huge business that the point is to have a certain lifestyle. So point, point is to live a certain way. And we did this exercise, my business partner and I did, where we each wrote down the things like had nothing to do with business. What, what do you want to do in life that's just that fulfills you? That what's fun for you? What's what do you enjoy? And I wrote down things. I actually got married that year. So my wife and I had some things on our list. But I wrote down things like playing basketball, pick up basketball in the middle of the day for two hours or going on a hike in the woods in the middle of the day. Or you know, we didn't have kids at that point, but eventually spending, you know, picking up your kids from school and being there when they get home and they have that like two or three minutes of this, they're blah, 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 blah. This is what we did at school today. Like that's that three minutes when they get home is incredibly valuable. Um, and for my wife and I traveling, my wife's a Spanish teacher. Um, and so we, we both love travel. I wanted to learn Spanish and become fluent in Spanish. I used to speak German in college. And so I just had the love of foreign languages and travel and other cultures. And so all of these things were on my list. And what, what I was amazed by, though, is like how little money some of those things actually cost. Yeah, like, yes, traveling costs money, but I could quantify it. Like I could go to, abroad to South America for four months at that point for like 15 grand. Like I could save it up. It's like buying a car, right? Save up the money. Um, but what I couldn't do is get away from the schedule and the work and the flipping houses and all these meetings I had. I said, well, wait a minute. Like I'm not doing something's not going on right here. I need to build a lifestyle where the doing what matters is first. That's the first priority. And then money and the business and this real estate investing thing serves that. It's, it's the servant. It's not the, it's not in charge. And I think a lot of us, myself included, get that backwards sometimes. We 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 worked, we we live to work instead of working to live. And, and so that was the aha moment. But it's not like you can unwind that overnight, right? We had the recession, we had all these things going on. But fast forward a little bit, I think we made some distinct changes in our business, a lot of what we've explained today, where by 2009, and right in the middle of the recession, my wife and I were able to take a four-month uh, mini-retirement. We weren't re re yet at financial independence where we were completely comfortable stopping working, but we saved up enough money, 
the business was systematized enough that I could leave. And we went backpacking in Spain for six weeks. We went down to Peru and I learned to speak Spanish in both those places, stayed with families down there, hiked at Machu Picchu up in the mountains of Peru. We went hiking in Patagonia and Argentina and Chile and Southern, uh, they're just kind of big wide open vistas with national parks and penguins at the bottom of South America. I mean, it was just an unbelievable trip. And that for me was really helpful to see because I'm a I'm kind of a go-getter. I know you're a go-getter hustler too. Um, for me, detaching myself from my life and having this opportunity for four months to just like press pause on your life and just do something different, it was really allowed me to kind of, it was a difficult uh, time in some ways. I like having to look inside of yourself and say, all right, why, why am I doing this? Like you have a bunch of things you're doing that don't make sense. And so self-exploration, growth. You know, those things are sometimes we get so busy, you just kind of forget about some of those. And, and also just health, you know, walking, exercising, eating better. So coming back, I wasn't done yet, but that really like planted the seed for me that doing what matters is the center of all this. And, and so build, building a business around that. So from then on, you know, fast forward, we had kids and we ended up going on another trip in 2017 for a year and a half to uh, Ecuador. And we took our kids this time. And they went to elementary schools there and local schools. They became fluent in Spanish. We fell in love with the Ecuadorian culture and the people there. Yes, work's great. Like I love work. I love con contribution. But like building a financial way of life that allows you to have spaces of time to do whatever it is that matters to you. And that could be travel. That could be your kids. For me these days, like what I'm doing right now, I'm doing a lot of volunteering. Um, for the last five years, I, I helped start a nonprofit in my town to work on some things that are really important to me in terms of uh, walkability and biking around town and helping people have alternative forms of transportation. You know, that might not matter to anybody else, but like that matters to me and my wife. And so I, I have time to spend it. I'm doing like 30 hours a week um, helping to build this and using a lot of my real estate skills to do something that I get no money for, but it really it's really important to my community. And that's that to me is what I want to encourage everybody else to do. Not overnight, maybe, but if you can house hack, you can reduce your expenses, you can save up some money, you can then buy another rental property. It doesn't take a lot. You could you could have four or five properties in many cases and make enough money and have enough freedom to have flexibility and to do things completely different than you did before that. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, I, I love how you articulate uh, the peaks and valleys. I think you, you might call them plateaus. Um, you know, of kind of the climb to financial freedom, because the majority of people I would say listening to this podcast, uh, you know, Drew and I aren't their first, uh, you know, their first dive into maybe financial freedom or real estate, um, you know, and so they, they, they have this goal of maybe retiring early, which your book centers around. I, I'm a huge advocate for your book, by the way, you know, if anyone's listening and really wants to have a roadmap to retire early, with real estate, which is the title of the book. I mean, it's a fantastic book. Um, and, you know, but but a lot of people have that goal. But I, I see in my own life, too, you know, we we tend to burn ourselves out at both ends of the stick. Yeah. Um, and you have a different model for that. And you've you've shown us that throughout your 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 career. Talk about that. Yeah, I'll tell you a story. We were it was when we were in Peru, my wife and I, before we had kids, and we went to this canyon called the Colca Canyon. It's kind of like the Grand Canyon, not quite as big, but really deep. And we were kind of macho. Hey, we were walking all the time. Unless I was more macho than my wife, I'll I'll admit that. And that we went down and we walked all the way down to the bottom of this canyon. And then we spent some time there and like, oh, let's go back up. Like we needed to be back to catch a bus the next day. And so we walked all the way back up. 
we, we were pushing it. Like we were climbing this, this essentially a mountain, a canyon, and we pushed it really hard. And by the time I got back about halfway up the mountain, we didn't eat a good lunch. We pushed it hard. We were going, going, going. We're young, we're healthy. But like, I almost like passed out like about halfway up this, this climb to the point where like I was leaning on the side of this cliff, you know, and like my, my wife was really worried. Like I was just going to pass out and it was getting dark outside. And ultimately we made, like I stumbled back into this town, but it's a really humbling experience. And it also taught me something about the way you actually climb difficult mountains or difficult paths. And it's very similar to financial independence and real estate investing in that I am very susceptible to just go, go, go push through it. You're hurting a little, you know, let's just keep going as opposed to, you know, maybe you should like pace yourself a little bit because this is a long, like ultra, ultra marathon, uh, financial independence, real estate investing. You know, some of these goals we have are, are up there at the top of the mountain and like we should shoot for those. Those are great. But you can get there in increments. That's the beautiful thing. Even if even if you're like, man, financial independence is so far off in my life. There are a bunch of little plateaus along the way that you can reach. For example, like what if you were trying to get a couple rental properties, like you got a house hack and then maybe one other rental property over the next few years. And what if that generated an extra 500 bucks per month in cash flow for you? That would be a plateau. Like you should celebrate that. You should pat yourself on the back because you could take a break. You could maybe, maybe it's a week or two. Maybe it's a vacation that you couldn't take before. Maybe it's just the fact that you have a little bit more financial um, stability in your life. Like that is a plateau. Like you should celebrate that. And there are a bunch of plateaus like that along the way. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, you got to stop to smell the roses, right? You, you should always also enjoy it. Like what, th this isn't like a grind that you just keep on going for 20 years and finally you're happy. Like, no, like you got to be happy now. Like if, if, if you want to be happy at the top of the mountain, you got to be working on yourself now. And you, the bunch having a bunch of money and having all the wealth is, is, is easy. I know life will be easier when you have more money, but you got to start working and enjoying life as you go. Enjoy the process. It's easy to say, harder to do, right? Um, but some of these plateaus of just kind of patting yourself on the back, taking a break, enjoying life, and then getting back to the climb again it was so helpful for me. And it's something I needed. Like my wife was a big reminder of this, like, Chad, take a break, you know, enjoy this thing. Maybe it's just a weekend. Maybe it's a, a one week vacation, detach yourself from the grind. And the ironic thing is when you get back on the climb, you're even better. Like you will probably get there faster by taking these breaks and taking these plateaus yeah. and you'll enjoy the process as well. Yeah. hundred percent. It's funny how, uh, how good they are at reminding it us of yeah. that, aren't they? Yes. So, so uh, I wanted to talk to that first because you are you are also very instrumental in the financial independent movement. Kind of the fire, uh, if people are familiar with the financial independent retire early community. Um, so it's not just about real estate for you. You're obviously incredibly instrumental. You wrote a great book. You got a great course. Um, but you talk also a lot about you know the kind of whole concept of retiring early. It doesn't just have to be about real estate. Talk to us a little bit about you know what kind of your portfolio looks like how you think about the FI movement, uh, how you help people kind of, you know, determine their FIRE number, like what do they need per month? What should that look like? Uh, mixed with this concept of doing what matters and taking these peaks and plateaus, uh, you know, just, just walk through that because I know you think about it a lot. Yeah, I, I think I'll start with that last part about your financial independence number. Um, so most people, when they get into the, this concept of financial independence or retiring early, the idea is just freedom. It's autonomy, it's control over your life, whatever that looks like for you, you know, having more control and freedom to do what matters. That's like the pinnacle. That's the, that's what you're trying to get to. But how do you quantify that? That's one of the challenges. And there's 
camps and the uh, uh, there's probably a lot more camps, but there's two that I know of that I like to talk about in the financial independence world. And there's one that are more geared towards uh, stocks, bonds, kind of those kind of more paper assets. Um, and those, those are great. Like I'm, I'm a fan of diversification and owning index funds. Like my in my stock, uh, my retirement account, my wife's retirement account, we own a, almost all uh, index funds. We do have some self-directed real estate stuff too. Um, but the, the point is like, how do you calculate your number when you own those kind of properties? And there's something, this is a long story, but like there's something called the 4% rule, which a lot of people kind of roughly try to use as a goal. And what that means is that if you have a portfolio, you can you can conservatively, you know, take about 4% of that portfolio per year, plus or minus. Some people use 3%, some people use 4.5%. There's a whole discussion about that, but there's some percentage that you want to take. And it's a pretty small number of your overall net worth in order for it not to go away. Like you want it to last you, especially if you're an early retiree. Um, and so you just, you can't take out big chunks. You got to take out a, a smaller percentage. Now, what is that percentage? The 4% rule is like kind of what some people use. With real estate, I say the other camp of financial independence is a little bit different because we're more income oriented. And, and so the, the approach that I take is like is basically stacking up income. And you start from the end and you say, well, how much income would I need to pay for my lifestyle? So if you if you don't know that number, this would be a good exercise for you to do over the next couple months. Just you know, just track everything you're spending, either through like a an app like Mint, or you can just track it on a spreadsheet, or you can just write it down if that's your thing. But you just pay attention to how much you're spending, understand how much is going in and out every every month, and then kind of extrapolate that to a year. And then if you want to be real conservative, you round up. If that's sixty thousand a year that you're spending, but you want to make sure you have enough to be, have a cushion, maybe that's seventy or eighty thousand bucks. Like just pick a number. I'm, I'm not as worried about what the number is. Just make sure that's a good number for you. But then you start working it backwards and say, how many rental properties that are paid off free and clear would it take to pay for my lifestyle at sixty thousand or eighty thousand bucks? And so it's really a matter of kind of stacking up cash flows. If each property, when it's paid off, produces five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, you know, let's say it's a thousand bucks, and in your number was five thousand bucks per per month. Well, five thousand divided by a thousand bucks is five properties, right? So if you had five paid off properties that net 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 produce a thousand bucks, then you could have you could have financial independence with five properties. If it takes if you make five hundred dollars per month, you're going to need twice as many. You need ten properties. But the, the point is like the math is really simple. Like the, if you know, rewind that if you're listening to this and the, the math kind of was just a little bit off, but you just you it's an addition problem and a subtraction problem instead of like really complicated math. And your job as a person early in your financial independence career is to buy properties that eventually can grow enough to produce that income down the road. That's that's your goal. You don't have to have that income today. You know, necessarily, you might have a property that you bought um, that has a thirty thousand dollar equity, and you want to sell that equity and buy another property in order to produce the cash flow. So there's a lot of different ways, and I'll talk about that in the book. There's kind of different paths up the mountain depending on your market, depending on what's what's going on in the market right now with you. But ultimately, the goal is to have these income properties that pay for your lifestyle that with a with a minimal amount of effort from you. Not, I'm not saying no effort. There's no th such thing as completely passive. But like when I was in Ecuador for a year and a half, I spent about an hour, sometimes 30 minutes every Thursday, looking over some books, paying some bills. It was all virtual on the computer because I had a team back at home who were doing most of the details. That's what we're talking about. That's how you translate rental properties into numbers, into your financial freedom, is that you, you, you build some systems and a team and some properties that can pay your bills. So that 
I think that's that's part of your question, right? Bradley was like, what how do you accomplish that financial independence number? Yeah, how, how do you estate? how do you think about, you know, just just the five community getting there um and and then also bringing in that element of peaks and plateaus uh to try to get to a number at say an early age that a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are probably aspiring to leave that job, become, you know, job autonomous to a certain degree. Uh, and I know that's already happening a little bit with people working from home and such. And and it's really top of mind for people now maybe stepping back and reevaluating their job. So I just just kind of the thought process with it. Yeah. And so what I just explained is probably the core. Like you, you want to have assets that produce income, right? Like that's the gold standard. But there's a lot of there's a lot of steps in between there that you can add. And this is what I've been doing. And I think what this is what you're doing too, Bradley, is that like I built a lot of other skills that produced income. So like I have I have my real estate license. It's on dormant status now, but I feel pretty confident because that's the skill set I have to go out and evaluate the market, help people buy properties. Um, I, I could do that. I, I, I think I feel pretty confident that in six months, 12 months, I could have a six-figure business being a real estate agent. So that that's like that doesn't seem like that's a financial independence skill necessarily because that's a job. But I, I think people underestimate entrepreneurship and having businesses as kind of an, an additional path to financial security and financial freedom. And it has certainly been that for me. Like I have, um, I have my rental properties, but I could also be a property manager. I could also be a bookkeeper. I do bookkeeping. Like, you know, my CPA is always like, you're, you know, you have great books. You should do, you could do other people's books. I was like, I don't want to, but I could, yes. Yeah. Um, I could be a real estate agent. And, and so these are all real estate skills, but some of you out there might have other skills. Like, and so I think, think outside the box, like we, this, the, the way the economy is right now, um, being a employee who just you know works stays with one company for the next 20 30 40 years like that's that's not normal like if, if you can do that great but most of us are going to have to be you know Bradley incorporated Chad incorporated like we're going to have to start our own thing and we have to be entrepreneurs and the sooner you start doing that even if it's just a little small thing like an Etsy store on the side or you know going to a local farmers market on Saturdays and selling your your jewelry or if it's you know, becoming a real estate agent on the side and doing a little bit of that, or you know, find this is where you can find the thing that your your skill set is is built for, yeah. not necessarily your passion. Like, find your skill set and then go find that skill set and build a, a little business around it. That's kind of a second level of financial independence that I think is really important. Yeah, and that's why you know that's why we're so passionate about this concept, uh, and I know you are too. And and is because you know it is incredibly challenging once you become an entrepreneur to get the favorable lending that that you know house hackers get that primary lenders get it's especially in the age of covid you know entrepreneurs are having a difficult time and so you know utilizing that you know that great lending 30 year fixed rate and and taking care of that home expense allows you to then become entrepreneurial and we see it over and over and over and uh, we see it in other other ways, too, not necessarily entrepreneurial, but my co-host Drew, you know, he's a professional bowler. And so when he when I had met him, uh, he was dead broke. He was he was one of the top bowlers in the country, um, but he was dead broke. And I'm just like, listen, if you went and decided to go get a duplex, you could eliminate your your rent that you're paying and then you could go bowl some more, you know. And so we hear it over and over people in arts and things like that. Um, and, you know, and so. We get the question, you know, kind of formulating kind of what we're talking about this whole podcast. We get the question over and over again. What's the economy going to do? What's tomorrow going to look like? That's what everyone's always talking about, no matter what the market's like. I mean, you went through 2008. People, you know, from my understanding, thought the real estate would never rebound. 
during that time. That was kind of the prevailing wisdom that right. real estate was never going to. So it's always that way. And the point of this whole conversation is learning and getting a solid education, because no matter what happens tomorrow, it's going to change. There's going to be uncertainty. There's going to be people that tell you it's too hot or it's too cold to get into real estate. It's not a good time now. Wait till tomorrow. That's always what's going to happen. Um, and so getting that education, because I tell you what, right before I went through your course, you know, I was flipping houses uh, and, you, you know, the prevailing wisdom back then, as silly as it sounds now, was that the economy was going to crash. We we're, you know, we we're coming up to kind of an election cycle and it was just, you know, people like Kiyosaki and, and thing and Peter Schiff so the world were you know screaming uh the real estate market was gonna crash and I was losing sleep like I was yeah. in the middle of these flips like losing sleep like I'm gonna be holding the bag and now in retrospect it's like not that their their warnings are wrong uh you know and they're still talking about a lot of the same thing it's just that it's more about being a deal maker like you said and being adaptable yeah. uh, because somebody always is going to talk about, you know, not being the right time. And it's all about that education. I know that was long winded, but I just kind of want to share that story. No, well said. I I think, I think that demonstrates it perfectly, Bradley, that it's, it's not that predictions don't sometimes come right. It's just when we look back in the past, the people who predicted it right, we kind of put up on a pedestal and then the 99% of people who got it dead wrong, (laughs) like we just ignore that. Right. And so I just, I'm I'm not saying it's not entertaining. Like, you know, go watch the YouTube video of somebody predicting the 2021 crash and all that stuff. Like that's cool. But like, don't call that investing. Like what what, what we are talking about is building the number one investment you have, which is your own mind and your own skill set. And then also your relationships. Like, man, I know I love how you emphasize team because the best thing, in addition to just having this knowledge in my head and these skill sets, the the number one thing that kept me out of trouble and that gave me the most advantages was relationships with other people. I mean, it was just bar none was the hands down thing that got me through 2007, eight, and nine. This made me profit over the long run. And so like, if you focus on those two, two things, learning and becoming good at what you do, becoming a craftsperson, like becoming the best real estate investor you can be, and then building rock solid, trustworthy you know, adding value relationships with other people, like that's not a gimmick. Like that is not going away anywhere. It'll work today. It'll work 2022. It'll work in 2032. And we will adapt to all the different tactics in between. Those are important. But I think that's, that's it's worth, we both said that over and over again, but I, I think fo- follow models, business models, life models that aren't the fly-by-night kind of latest thing. Follow, instead, try to kind of dig deep, a little bit deeper, find the things that you can build that are not going anywhere. The foundation of a house, the foundation of a business, the foundation of financial independence, and then build that. And I think you'll be, we'll all be much better off by doing that. For sure, for sure. Let's briefly touch on that because, um, you know, I, I don't think I actually ever quantified or ever thought about how much football had translated to, you know, sort of what I do. Um, but we've had a couple of former NHL players that house hacked. We had a, a former NFL player that house hacked in three cities. Um, and during those conversations, we end up starting talking about sort of the what we learned, um, you know, in sports. And, and some of them were a little bit different. But, you know, the whole concept of it was all it was always easy for me to develop a team. You know, like I just I instinctively knew that um, that I needed somebody, you know, I, I needed team members. And so I was that was always a strength of mine. But I, I've come to realize that it isn't all these everyone else's skill set. And it's probably come from that, what we learned in Rose. Talk a little bit about that and, you know, kind of how important that is and how you learn that. Uh, because a lot of people probably don't know that you almost got drafted yourself. 
Yeah, I was a college football player. I, I mentioned that a little bit earlier. I got a scholarship. I was a middle linebacker in, in football. And so for those who don't know much about football, it's kind of like the quarterback of the defense. You're right in the middle of everything. And and I, I think I realized from my junior to my senior year of college one time that um, how important it is. Like every year, the people around you make you look good. I had a really good junior year. My senior year, we were a little bit younger. You know, I was having to be more of a leader. We didn't have quite as good of a year. And I felt like I was prepared in both years. Like I felt like I worked hard both years, but like the stats totally changed based on the dynamic of the people around me. And so like to your point, like I, I think if we focus on, yes, your own skills, yes, like in football, you know, you got to get in shape, you got to get strong, you got to do all these things, but man, you're, you're capped, you're capped <laughs> how good your yeah. team is. Like there's no doubt about it. And so both of those, you need to work on both of those, but I, I think the team might be in some extent even more you know, critical over the long run. Like, you know, I've always heard this quote, I think it was a Jim Rohn quote, um, who's a, who's a personal development speaker who said, you are basically the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And when I look back about, if you look at your, your money, you look at your happiness, you look at your, you know, well, you know, your, uh, just energy in life and all those things, it's kind of comes true, you know, like, yeah. So I think if we focus on that and make that a deliberate, deliberate strategy, not that you don't, serve and help people who, you know, are in trouble or have problems, but like in order to help and serve people, like you've got to take care of yourself first. Like yeah. you, you've got to surround yourself with people who elevate your game. And once you do that, now you've got a lot more to give. And yeah. I, I think that's been a big lesson for me is that you've, you've got to, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on. You've got to build your inner circle of people who are your ride or die people, you know, like people who yeah. you really trust and who are, who are with you. And once you do that, man, you have a lot to give other people. And that's what it's all about, you know, giving and serving people. Um, but I, I see a lot of people who are trying to serve financially and they're trying to serve the world. And, and back to your point about artists and bowling and all that stuff, like yet they can't pay their bills. Like, yeah. You know that that's that's a little bit backwards. Like let's let's take care of our bills. Let's do, let's get the basics. Let's do this house hack. Let's get a little bit of money coming in. Let's get a skill set of a job that we can spend ten hours a week on making some money, so that we can do our art. We can do our service. We can do the thing we're passionate about. And I think that order is really important. Yeah, and you know, so for those out there, they're sort of where I was. You know five, six years ago where you've heard, you know, you are the average of the five people you hang around most. But, you know, it, it was whenever I heard that, I'm like, you know, I understood the concept. It was challenging for me to provide the value to, to be around some of those other people that I wanted to be around. And what I've learned or you're in, you know, kind of like a big corporation like I am, that's kind of to a certain extent, soul sucking, you know, everyone in there, it has, you know, you just every time you go in there, there's just a negative energy at your job and things of that nature. And, and my job is fantastic. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it provides a lot of things, but the environment is tough. And I know there are a lot of people that express the same, you know, kind of, you know, feelings. And that's what something like this course that Chad is providing provides because, you know, you have, you know, you, you pair up uh, these accountability partners that throughout the life of this course, you're going to interact with, you develop a friendship with, and you may be states away. You know, my, uh, the, the accountability that I had when I went through your course, they were in South Carolina. I'm in, you know, Michigan. And so, but we developed this friendship and, and I get to be associated with you. Uh, you know, you're in my ear all the time. Right. And, and like you develop, those people become those, those people speaking in your ear and giving you that positive, you know, aspect to it yeah. that you're probably lacking at your job. Maybe you haven't done a deal yet. So it's tough to, 
you know, start a team, you know, it, it's right. tough to, you know, get a lawyer in your, in your court when you don't have anything, you know, like it takes time to build some of that. This is what this is. Uh, you know, and I just can't, um, say enough about this course, what you provide. I mean, the extras, I had a list, like you have a lifetime access to find your focus, uh, the real estate deal finder, the rental property analysis, creative financing, the contract to close, uh, fix and flip for cash. And then there are also a couple of books uh, by Jay Scott, the book on estimating rehab costs, the book on flipping houses, uh, just so much value tied into this. Um, and for those that are trying to actually, instead of predict markets, become a deal maker, instead of you know worrying about what's going on, actually know the ins and outs so that no matter what uh, tomorrow brings, whether the market you know continues at its extent or it drops, you're prepared and you kind of build that you know, the, the reputation as being somebody in real estate, because, uh, you know, if the market does tank, you got, you know, you're, it's going to be tough to a tough to get financing, be tough to get private money. If you don't have that reputation as somebody that's in real estate and really understands it. So, um, so definitely I'm a huge fan of, of what you're doing. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And I mean, talking to people like you who've been through the course and who demonstrate the concepts, it really makes me feel good because it's, it's, it's bigger than just me. You know, they, these are concepts that I've learned from other people, from my mentors. And I, I think I think what, what you're getting at, though, is that at some point in your career, like not everybody needs to go through a course. Like, let, let's just put it like that. Like not everybody, some people just absorb it. They have a, they have a, a parent figure or like a mentor who like shows them every single step of what to do. Like, if that's the case, like, great, like, good for you. Like, that's awesome. And some people just kind of look into the, the, they learn how to do it. But for a lot of us though, like the reason we go to school, the reason we go to, some of us go to technical college or we go to actual university or something is because we got to build our skill set up, Right. And so that's, that's really what this is all about. And um, I know you're going to have some links to it, I believe in the course, I mean, in yeah. the show, show notes. Um, but like, I would just say like, if, if, if that's interesting to you, like that, it's an honor for me to be able to work with people like getting to know Bradley, getting to know other people in the course. Like this is kind of, it's a long-term commitment on my part. Like th this is just my, um, doing what matters for me. Like I, I, I could spend a lot more time in my real estate investing business and build a lot more wealth syndicating and working with like 10 rich people and go, us go buy a bunch of properties. But like, I really love being a teacher. I really love the fact that there are people who are just starting and that maybe a little bit of wisdom that I've gained from some of my hard knocks could help you buy a property or two and help your financial independence trajectory change and your family do better. Like getting letters, like uh, Bradley wrote me an, an email after he read the book that was just really complimentary. And like, that's what, that's my fuel. That's why I do this. And so I, I think it's important to know people's motivations. You know, when, when there's all sorts of people out there, like my motivation is that I get a kick and I get a high out of people making progress. And I would love to see you know, five years from now, if I'm, I'm still teaching that there's that I could reach out to and hear from hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people who've taken some of this information. They bought four or five properties or two properties. They are now house hacking. They're now doing all that. Like that is a huge reward. And, um, and that's, that's, uh, that's just an awesome feeling to know that, that you could do that. And I think that's, this is the blueprint. This is my best effort at giving you some support and a blueprint to help you make this kind of close that gap between wherever you are right now to actually doing more deals come what may, you know, come a down market, come an up market. This is the, we're trying to be flexible. Like we talked about in the beginning to give you that, that kind of flexible skill set that you can use over and over again. For sure. For sure. So the, uh, the, you have three free webinars, um, the March 9th, I believe, is the first one. 
Uh, and if I'm not correct, uh, not mistaken, uh, the 11th and the 15th, or maybe the 12th and the 15th. Right. Yeah. March. There's a Tuesday, Thursday. So the March 9th, March 11th. Those will be um, two. I'm, I'm teaching some free courses, essentially free webinar trainings, so that you can kind of see what it's all about. And and whether you buy the course or not, like I would I would encourage you to come to these free trainings because I'm going to be giving you all I got for a hundred for, for, for an hour. And then I'll stick around for another hour to, to answer questions. And it's going to be about this topic that we've talked about today, but in the first call, I'm going to go in specifically into more depth on those five skills that I talked about. Like what are these skills that you need to have as a real estate deal maker? I'm going to give you some examples of how you can put those together. And so just kind of laying out what it means to be a real estate deal maker and teach you how to do that. That's the call. Number one, call number two is going to go a deep dive on one of those specific skills. We're going to talk about analyzing your market. It. And that I, that's number one of the course for a reason. Like I find that if you, if you don't take care of that, it's kind of hard to figure out how to analyze the deals, how to get the money, how to build your team, because you don't even know where you're investing at, right? So we're going to go a deep dive on analyzing your market, whether it's the market you already live in, or if you're uh, going to invest long distance, how do you pick a market? So that's going to be my call number two. And then call number three is all going to be all about the next steps. So what are the, the milestones that if wherever you are on your journey, I'm going to help you navigate and say, this is the next step. This is the next step. This is the next step. That's a kind of a, a, a requisite for me. Anytime I teach a class, I, I can't leave it with a pie in the sky idea. Like we got to get practical. Like we got to get super, super practical. What's the next step and the next step. And so that's the third call that you'll get from me is like, what, what are the next steps for you? Where do you, what, what do you need to be doing right now? Out of all this information out there, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. And then if you, if you like all of that, and if you want to have somebody help you with those next steps, that's where the course comes in. And I would be honored to have you uh, join me there. The, the course opens March 15th uh, of, of the spring. But if you're, even if you're listening to this later, I open it twice per year. So I open it for a week in March, open it for a week in September. And, and so th those are the two times a year when you can you know, get in the course. And after that, I close it just so I can focus on the students and concentrate on you and, and help you. For the, It's a t typically a 10 to 11 week process where it's very intense during the course. We take a little bit lighter, you know, sub office hours and things during the summers and during the other times in between. But you can think about it. It's a continuous course that you can always go back to over and over and over again. And a lot of people do. And then, you know, I invite TAs back like Bradley and some other people. Um, so it's a it's a kind of ongoing and uh, you invest once and then you have an ongoing community and lessons that you can keep going back to. Yeah, 100 percent. And like you said, I'll be in there. So uh, for anyone, you know, in the house hacking community, um, you know, I'll be there. Of course, you know. I'll give you my number. We'll be in contact as well, kind of in this aspect. But just the whole concept, getting a broader sense of of real estate. Um, you know, I'll give a quick story. Back uh, four years ago, when I was in here, I was in the middle of a property. Uh, I had just read the book. I didn't. I, I was. I had all my money into this deal. I didn't really have the money to buy the course, but I just knew through your, you know, how genuine of a person you are, how much that book touched me. I knew that I needed to, to get a step-by-step -step guide of real estate if I actually wanted to do what I wanted to do. And so fortunately, uh, you had a three-payment plan back then, and it was literally the only way I could buy this course. Um, but you know, from my understanding now, you have the, you know, the, a three-payment plan and a 12-payment plan uh, for those that, that need it. Um, so you know, I, just, I just genuinely uh, enjoy you as a person, your message, uh, the whole do what matters concept, but then how thorough you are. And so, like you said, not everyone needs a course, uh, but for those that are, are searching for answers that, you know, are wondering what's going on in the world of real estate and really want to know that they know.
know, uh, you know, real estate and, and have that personal education to be able to continue a long-term, uh, you know, investing mindset. This course, in my opinion, and I've looked at a bunch, I've been in a bunch, uh, you know, this one is by far my favorite. I think the one that provides the most value. Well, I appreciate it. And thank you for, for sharing with everybody today and, and for, for just being who you are as well. I mean, it's, it's really cool to see all the people you're touching with your podcast and your impact and your as a realtor. I mean, it's just this, this is really cool to see the network of people that we're that we, we have together and that can make a difference for a lot of people. This is a fun this is a fun sport of real estate investing and house hacking in particular is a passion of mine as well. I feel like it's, it's one of the best ways to get in the business. And I, I still hack house hack to this day. Like I have a basement apartment that I do Airbnb uh, on game day. We have a football team, that, big football team at Clemson where I live. And so people pay money to come like for football games during non-coronavirus. So like I'm a house hacker through and through and appreciate everything you do, Bradley. Yeah, for sure. So before we set off here, uh, besides real estate, uh, doing what matters. What, what's what's kind of something on the horizon for you that that matters to you? Look going forward. Uh, I can't wait to travel again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so like that's gonna be kind of fun. Um, we, I think we're, we're 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 doing a lot of camping actually. My my daughters and I and my wife. Um, so we're kind of into that. We're into the outdoors. We're into riding bikes. Uh, we're into exercising. We've been walking with our kids to school every day, and it was kind of a big. Uh, uh, we call it just a highlight for me when my kids were like, dad, we don't want to ride the bus anymore. We want to walk home from school. And we're like a mile and a quarter from the school. Nice. And I was like, man, like this, there's some, you have some failures as a parent along the way, but right, like, I was like right. success. Like we brainwashed, <laughs> we brainwashed them sufficiently that they actually yeah, like yeah. Uh, walking from school. So I guess right. what matters, you know, like hanging out, spending time with them. And then I mentioned the nonprofit earlier. I'm doing a lot of, uh, of work just it's, it's a it's a nonprofit group that's building trails and like we're I'm, I'm trying to build like a so not I say I our, our group our nonprofit is building a network of walking trails and biking trails and what happens in a lot of small towns and really big cities too is that everything was built around automobiles from like the 50s 60s and 70s and yet if you wanted to walk a quarter mile to the park with your kid you know like you get run over by a truck yeah. and so it, this it seems like a real kind of practical thing but it's it's uh it's real important to have like good crosswalks and sidewalks and uh, bike lanes. And, and so that's been a passion of mine that I, I spent a, a ton of time on as well. 100%. 100%. Well, Chad, uh, I genuinely appreciate you coming on, provide a ton of value to me personally. Uh, for those that have not listened to episode 39, we dug uh, into kind of your personal story. Um, we talked a lot about the ins and outs, but I really wanted to uh, have you on to, to talk about this course because it's meant a lot to me personally. Um, I know it'll provide a ton of value to anyone that is kind of searching for that um, because everyone's at different stages. And perhaps, like you said, some people have, you know, the people in their corner where they don't need a, uh, a course or maybe people are just searching and they're not quite ready for that. But I know there is a broad, uh, you know, there, there are quite a few people listening to this right now that are searching for that next step. And, you know, there are a lot of people that that have courses but I don't know anyone that provides the value that you do and has the message that you do as well. So, so I appreciate you coming on and sharing that. Thank you. That means a lot. I appreciate it. And thank you to all the listeners for you know, being here today. It's, it means a lot as well. So hope hope to see you soon. All right, Chad, have a great day. You too.